Welcome to Ginspired, brought to you by theginshop.ca. This podcast will take you on a journey into the world of gin, where you'll experience this versatile spirit in ways you never thought possible. Now the host of Ginspired, Heather E. Wilson. Hello and welcome to Ginspired, where we talk about and celebrate everything about the wonderful juniper lace spirit called gin. I'm your host, Heather E. Wilson. And on today's episode, I welcome Scott Thompson, founder and distiller of Mad Laboratory Distilling, located in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And today we're going to talk about how it all got started, their gins and bitters, and so much more. Welcome, Scott. Hi. Good to see you. Good to hear from you. Thank you. All that. Yeah, finally, right? After all this time. But first, as with all episodes, let's start by sharing what we're drinking today. And Scott, you get to go first. What are you drinking today? You know, sometimes I love these great elaborate cocktails, but I like something really, really simple sometimes because unless I'm really trying to impress somebody, sometimes I just want a delicious cocktail. So today I will be drinking a Tom Collins. Ah, classic. Classic. Awesome. Uh, simple and there's some easy ways to make it cheater methods and a couple quick little variations on it but yeah i just love it it's a nice easy refreshing gin cocktail that's really versatile it goes well with a lot of gins absolutely and it goes well with a lot of snacks and foods and absolutely, absolutely. happy hours and all that good stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah often go down way too easy they do and that can be a problem too for sure so today I'm actually having a mad martini and it, I know it's so yummy. It's one of the cocktails that we came up together with for the gin inspired, the ultimate gin cookbook. And it has a few basil leaves, mad lab gin, number six, a little bit of dry vermouth and three dashes of plum bitters. And it's the perfect Friday happy hour cocktail. Yes. Okay. So let's get down into the nitty gritty and talk about you and the distillery and all this good stuff. Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's get into it. Yeah. So what drew you to gin distilling? So, you know, it's actually funny story about gin distilling. When I first got into distilling, I didn't like gin. I I, actually, I know it was what? actually uh, it was one of those things where I got into distilling because I wanted to give you a whiskey story. That's our main thing. It's still you know a big part of what we do, but just because it's such a long journey. You know, as I got started, we started doing vodka, and I was uh, I'd had a lot of bad experiences with gin, and so when I went to develop my first. I said, okay, I've got to develop a gin. I've got a lot of people asking me for it. So let's dive into it and try it. So I started doing some experimenting and I kind of come up with some flavors that I personally enjoyed. And then I had to take it to a lot of my gin drinking friends. And I said, hey, what do you think about this one? What do you think? Like tried a bunch of different versions and they all kind of, you know, dialed it in to kind of a nice one. And I'm drinking it and and practicing it, learning. And I'm thinking, you know what? I actually actually do kind of like this. I don't know why I had such a bad palate for gin originally. And what I realized it was, was when I was younger, I had... You know, it's the sneak the London dry gin from your grandmother's liquor cabinet and mix it with the wrong thing or drink it straight or what have you. And I always thought gins were just only the London dry style, just that heavy, heavy, Uh, you know, the Gordons, the Tanqueray, you know, that are just really intense. And I realized that, you know, there's the New World style gins, which are a bit more delicate, a bit softer, play with the botanicals quite a bit and get yourself into an area that not, you know, your grandmother's gin and tonic gin. From there, I I went out and spent a lot more time 
sampling and trying other craft gins and realized, okay, well, there's a range. Like, you know, I like this flavor profile and not this flavor profile. And then I just kind of was able to dial in my style for gin. So that was sort of the long way around for getting us started into. Now we currently are producing three different versions of our gin and I am very happy with them and I'm always pushing gin cocktails now. Yay! It's so funny slash interesting that so many people had problems, experiences with their grandmother's gin. <laughs> I hear that so often. And that's one yeah. big thing I say. It's Today's gin is not your grandmother's gin. And I mean, that being said, those gins do serve a purpose. They have a great spot, but they need to be treated properly. They need to be given the appropriate cocktails. And, you know, if you're sitting there trying to mix your grandmother's gin with, you know, Pepsi or something, it's not going to go well. Oh, You're going to have a bad time. And that's how are you on the whole experience. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about the name, Mad Laboratory Distilling. Tell me the story about that. Like, how did you come up with that name? You know, that was, we were sitting down with actually a person who did our logo for us originally. It was, I worked with his wife in the liquor industry for a long time. And we were sitting around having drinks, kind of brainstorming names. And he was going to help us come up with a logo. And, you know, talking about my early days of kind of teaching myself to distill and teaching myself all these different bizarre techniques to, you know, extract flavors and to just the whole way along. He said, man, you're just such a mad scientist. We've got to find something that shows that through. And it's kind of like you're working in your lab and it's like, oh, it's like a mad laboratory for mad scientists. And so that was just said, yep, that sounds good. We like that. And, you know, hit the nail on the head there for sure. And, you know, if you know me, if you've been down to my shop and you see the random assortment of jars, devices, and everything, you know that that's an appropriate term for what we do. And, and we also, you know, we built the vast majority of our own equipment, including the still. So that's something that kind of not a lot of people do. So I get a little bit of a reputation for being a little bit insane when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, well, it's a good insane. Yeah. All right. It's uh, yeah. Creative. Yes, absolutely. So let's talk about your three gins then. What makes them special or unique or different? So you mentioned off the top the Gin 6. Gin 6 was the first gin that we developed. And the 6 actually refers to the botanicals in the gin. So we now have our Gin 6 and our Gin 8. So a 6 botanical and 8 botanical gin. They are totally different botanical loads. They're not related to one another in terms of, there's a few common botanicals in there, obviously, but they're completely unique blends. But again, because I came into it as a whiskey distiller, you know, whiskeys tend to have an age statement. You know, you get your Macallan 12 or what have you. And so I thought, okay, it'd be cool to have a botanical statement on my gins just to kind of- Oh, that's uh, brilliant. Draw a little bit of uh, homage into that. And so, yeah, so the six botanical gin, it's a bit of a unique blend, as you'll find with most of our stuff is. It is juniper, coriander, lime zest, which are pretty standards. Mm-hmm. And then where we start to veer off a little bit, we do cucumber skins, just the skins of the cucumber. And it's not infused. It's part of the botanical. So it goes in and then gets redistilled from there. And then the two really unique ones that we get in there that a lot of people tell me they've never had in a gin before and are surprised we managed to make it work are uh, a bailey and dill and those botanicals they so the dill really gives it that brightness that summer garden fresh green kind of characteristic about it which is sort of that really vegetal kind of finish which is great for the martini like you did absolutely really is just a nice herbaceous finish and then the bay leaf to give it that pepperiness to give that spiciness to bring it back we found when we did it without the bay leaf it was a bit mushy it was a bit soft we wanted something to snap in a little bit and give us just a bit more of that kick to it right yeah i love the peppery note to it it's so good 
so the other gin we have is our gin eight, which as we explained earlier, would denote that it is an eight botanical gin, but we did this one a little bit differently. We actually have six botanicals in the uh, pre-distillate and then we post-distillate infuse two more botanicals. So that's our different six botanical gin infused with grapefruit and hibiscus. It's got a nice little bit of a pink hue to it, although it does tend to fade over time because we use a natural colorant. We don't add any chemical colors or anything. So, you know, this tends to drop, but the flavor maintains super, super citrus forward. That grapefruit is just a big punchy grapefruit, which, you know, with the gin six, I often tell people to keep it away from the tonic. Tonic tends to wash out the subtlety of a lot of those botanicals, but the gin eight is a big boy. It can hold up to, if you want to do your gin and tonic, those botanicals are going to come through a little bit harder. So yes, yeah, so that one's a juniper coriander and you use lemon instead of lime for that one. Angelica, cinnamon, and black pepper. So a pretty different botanical load from our gin six. That being said, we did still keep it a bit on the lighter side. So you're really getting the juniper and whatnot, but the citrus is really kind of taking the forefront a little bit on that. So it's still not that London dry style, so heavy, heavy hit of it, but it is just a very, very different experience as far as our gins are concerned. But yeah, so those are the two premium gins that we do. And then the third gin that we started doing as part of our Well Spirit lineup, which is our Barman's gin. We do a Barman's gin and a Barman's vodka. It's a little bit more towards a classic London dry style, still a bit pulled back for my palate again. You know, I don't necessarily need to be putting something out that I don't like. So uh, it's always going to kind of be to my palate, but it is just a bit more of a traditional classic London dry. It's actually the same botanicals without the infusion as the gin eight, just in different ratios, different proportions, just to get it a little bit stronger, a bit punchier. So it's got a bit more of that kick to it, but yeah, the same juniper, coriander, lemon, angelica, cinnamon, black pepper. So a bit more peppery, not as green and herbaceous as the gin six, not as citrusy as the gin eight, but just a great utility gin, great for your gin and tonics. It'll pretty much hold up to almost any gin cocktail. It'll, it's just one of those sort of, you know, you don't need to think about it too much just it's gonna work so awesome that one i haven't tried so no that's a fairly recent development one as well so we'll have to make sure we get some of that out to you yeah that'd be awesome yeah um okay so you also make bitters correct I do. Yeah. So we actually make extremely small batch bitters. The reason for that being is when I was developing flavors for my gins and some of my other spirits, I needed to do these botanical infusions and was left with all these botanical infusions. So I started dabbling around and making some bitters. I actually needed to make bitters for one of our premixed cocktails, which we do some premixed old fashions. And then from there, I just kind of thought this is kind of fun. So I'm really enjoying this. You know, we're talking, I might make a dozen bottles of a certain flavor at a time. So a really small batch until I find one that really like is a really big popular hit that I might make in larger quantities. But yeah, I just, you know, it's one of those things where I'll try something, a flavor, it'll inspire me. It's like, oh, I have to find a way to get this infused into a cocktail. I have to find this a way to get, get this into a bitters that we can then use in all kinds of different ways. Yeah. So what exactly is a bitter? I know you and I know what they are, but... <laughs> The way I always explain it to people is like the main thing with bitters is you're adding flavor components, you're adding layers of different flavor infusions, and then you're also adding that bittering quality. So if you've got something that's maybe a little bit too sweet, you want to give something a bit of a bitter quality, you want it to hit the palate a little bit harder, you maybe want to give it that texture that you otherwise don't have. But really, it does bring a lot of like herbs and spices into your cocktails, that sort of I find, depending on the quantities you use, the bitterness is there, it's subtle, but really it's the flavors of the infusion that's coming across hard. Okay, so you've mentioned that you also do whiskey. If you check our website out, we actually have 
quite a few other products for as small of a distillery as we are. You know, we make a few different versions of our vodka. We do some pre-mixed cocktails. We actually do a Turkish style rakı, which is really fantastic. It's sort of like ouzo, but without the sugar. Really nice, really strong aniseed flavor, big licorice notes. But the main thing that we're really been pushing towards since the beginning was doing single malt whiskey. So we do, it's similar to like a Highland malt style. So unpeated, very rich, very caramel, very vanilla. We just released our first batch, our first barrel to be to reach maturity. So we're doing quarter cast gauging and quarter cast to full cast blends, all still single malt. So they would still be considered single malts at that point. But that's sort of the one that we spent the most time and energy into really dialing in. This year, we're going to be releasing quite a bit because with this, we started in end of 2018 was when we really started laying down barrels and we started doing as many as we could from then until basically until we're still doing it, right? We're still laying down as much as we can. But yeah, so absolutely thrilled with how it came out. Like I said, very rich, oaky flavor. Because we're using a quarter cask, it actually matures a lot quicker. So a lot of people think whiskeys have to be really old to be good. That's not necessarily the case. Barrel management, liquid management is really important into getting that beautifully matured whiskey. You know, I've had young three to five year whiskeys that blow 10, 20 year whiskeys out of the water. It really depends on the liquid that goes into it and the time and care that takes into how you manage that liquid. But yeah, so that's sort of what we've really been focusing on the last little bit. And, you know, gin is a lot of fun. We'll probably do another gin in the next year or two, just because I really get wild and creative playing with botanicals and eventually gets to a point where it's like, well, I've got to find a way to get these botanicals into a gin. All the while, the baseline for us is definitely the whiskey for sure. Okay, so you've obviously had quite the journey since the Mm -hmm. beginning. So what would you say is the biggest challenge for you as a distiller? The biggest challenge for me is just our size. Because we're so small, trying to fight for shelf space. Every sale we get is hard fought. The budgets, some months, we're tightening the belt real hard and just trying to make it through. And then especially like during COVID right now, it's especially difficult because we can't get out and we can't sample our products because we know our products are fantastic and people that drink our products know our products are fantastic because it's a higher end spirit. It's a little bit more expensive. So people are less likely to take a risk. People aren't going to maybe spend $50 on a bottle of gin that they might not like. So that's been a real big challenge for us in the last two years is getting people to try the product, get it out there and get it to the floors. And, and, you know, we've got a handful of bar restaurant accounts, which are great. And they go through a good amount of our product, but that's another one that's really hard to fight because you have the big brands that are coming in with so much advertising dollars, so much money that we just, it's next to impossible to compete with them. So we just, we kind of have to go one account at a time and just, show them that our product is better and locally made locally sourced ingredients all that sort of stuff so yeah i mean it's a daily grind for sure for sure yeah well hopefully as restrictions ease fingers crossed for all of us in so many ways that you can get back out to the bars and have people do you actually have like can somebody come to your distillery and do samples or is it not that kind of setup yet we kind of have that set up i tell people if they want to come down just make sure to give us a message email on one of the social medias or give us a call just because it is only one or two of us here we don't keep regular hours up front so we do have a space that we can do some tastings but we like to do it by appointment Okay. We're always happy to share our products with people, but uh, we want to make sure that there's going to be someone here for them to come down and try or buy at the distillery. We mostly spend uh, most of our time doing wholesale and online retail is sort of our biggest, been spending our most of our energy on. as yeah. Of yeah. So I know you've mentioned a few things, but what's next for you and the distillery? 
So we're just about to launch our whiskey club, which is a lot of fun. I don't know when this is going to come online, but as we're recording this, I think I'm going to put it live today. And that basically gives people a chance to follow us along the journey from a new make spirit, which is an unaged as it comes off the still going into the barrel. And then basically once a year, we'll be able to pull off a bottle of the cask strength. Well, it wouldn't be whiskey until the third year, but to really sort of experience that journey from new make to light aging, medium, and then all the way to a final whiskey product. That's a big one that we're kicking in. And along with that, we're going to be releasing through our Indiegogo campaign, we're going to be releasing some cask strength whiskeys as well, which is something that'll be sort of a super, super, super limited and exclusive releases there. But our big thing right now is to get the whiskey flowing, get it going, and then we'll start dabbling in some sort of creative variations along the way there. But really just making sure people know what we produce is definitely top grade quality and will continue to be so, right? And just not putting out anything Low grade. And then also, yeah. So one other thing is we'll be doing probably three or four a year, super small batch seasonal liqueur releases. And the next one's coming out will probably be announced by the time this gets put up. So we'll be doing a super small batch creme de cacao. Uh, Maybe not a perfect gin mix. Oh, I've made some pretty good gin chocolate martinis. When you can do that, sure, I'll be impressed. But that's one where you got to pick the right gin. Oh, absolutely. Our Grapefruit gin isn't necessarily mm, going to be No, that one probably wouldn't go. Maybe a rhubarb and fruit-fused gin or something along those lines, something that's a little bit more fruity would go with the chocolate or a bit more should be. Not to worry, I can do it. Yeah, you're on it? All right. <laughs> okay, so now we're at the time of the call where we share, you share, yeah. an incident. Oh, God, okay. So this is the fun story <laughs> time. Is story time, boys and girls. I will say the really interesting incidents don't involve gin because I wasn't a big gin drinker until more recently. But the one thing I will say about my early gin incident would be there used to be this little restaurant on Denman, which is sort of, sort of a real great street in Vancouver for small restaurants and whatnot. And there was this tiny little hole in the restaurant called the Wild Garlic and they did tapas and they did cocktails. And every Friday night, they would do 350 martinis. Ooh, offer two ounce martinis and they were proper top shelf booze like but it was just this tiny little place and so it was an ex-girlfriend of mine at the time she got us into going there and like you know a bunch of us would always go we ended up taking over half the restaurant on a friday night and you know just happies and tapas and everything but that was the one place where i did actually go for the gym because they had a uh, garlic martini which was just phenomenal it was a tanqueray martini and then they just used the garlic stuffed olives in it it was just this nice experience for me where i did really enjoy the gym because it's nice savory beautiful richness about it and you know so we would go there and you know rack up a hundred dollar bill which at 350 <laughs> martinis is a few <laughs> that's a few uh, and then stumble home but we had this one friend who Every single time she went. And the owners there were amazing. They would remember everybody. They'd remember everybody's name. They'd remember what you drink. They'd like, every time you came back, if you went in there once, they'd remember you the next, like forever. And this one friend, we'd go in there and every single time she would break a martini glass. (gasps) Oh no. Without fail. It was always an accident, but it was just, you knew if she went in there. And so it was just one of those things. I remember one of the nights we were in there, we'd gone almost through the entire night. She hadn't broken a glass. And we're all sitting there going, oh my God, she didn't break a glass. <laughs> and of course, she stands up and elbows one on the way out. And we're like, 
Okay, there it is. But yeah, so that's my gincinets are not too crazy. Well, there's and then there's again, this is more of everything else. And then finished with gincinet was a friend of mine and I who were working together professionally at the time were going to Hopscotch, which is a beer and scotch festival in Vancouver. There's a few others around. And basically, but we were there as professional representatives of our group. And so it was kind of you know, you didn't pay for drinks or anything and open bar, pretty much open bar, but it's like, there's 150 booths with five or six products right. each. So it's a lot. And, you know, it's one of those things where you got to, you know, you train yourself and you go through and you taste everything and you're using spit buckets and everything. So, you know, you're okay by the end of, but we, you know, we had a few drinks before with lunch and, <laughs> and we get in there and we started a few drinks with lunch and, and then we went in and had our samples. And then we kind of queued in on the ones we liked and we had maybe more than just a little sample of a few of the products and starting to get more tipsy. And so a whole pack of us, so this was in uh, East Vancouver, which is where all the brewery, you know, you throw a stone, you're going to hit a brewery in East Vancouver. So, you know, we stopped at one and, okay, of course, it's the reps. They know us there. They're buying us beers. And, okay, we're having some beers. And go to another brewery, same thing, and another brewery, another brewery, another brewery. And, you know, we're losing people. Only we started with 20. Halfway through, we're down to 10. End of the night, you know, we get down to it. And it was me and the one friend that I started with at the beginning of the night, we get to another person I knew it was their cocktail bar and we sat down and we each ordered a Negroni. This is how the gin ties into it. It was yes. the closest I got. That's all right. We had the Negroni and we sat there and we were just recounting all the crazy shit that happened throughout the entire night, which was much and plentiful. And we sat there and we just looked at the Negronis. We looked at each other and we just got up and walked away. We're like, that. <laughs> oh no, that's enough of that. I'm done. The next day, we kind of revisited and we're like, well, we were drinking for 14 hours straight, and it had just gotten to that point where it wasn't even like I don't even know if we were still drunk. I don't even know. Yeah. What we're just, our brains are just like just looking at the alcohol. We're like, that's not going inside me. My body just cannot take any more of it. So we just like I said, we just got up and 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 I think I went and crashed on his couch and we called it a day. The Negronis are delicious, but yeah, at that point I was just my well, body potent, did not. Though. They're did potent. Not <laughs> they are potent as well. Yeah, that's the yes. Yeah. All right. Well, those are some great stories. So, I mean, best I can do without getting too many censored. uh, Well, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I totally hear you on that. Yeah. Okay. So anything else at all that you'd like to share? One of the big things I always advise people when they're doing gin and tonics, which is, of course, probably one of the most popular executions of gin, is just make sure you're using the right gin with the right tonic. We've really gone through a lot of different ones and found, okay, this one works with this gin. This one works with this gin. This one works with just this gin. This one needs this citrus, this citrus, you know, and so on and so forth. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't put enough time into. You know, you pick a gin you like, that's really all well and good. But if you're a gin and tonic drinker, you got to make sure you get that tonic that fits that gin perfectly and doesn't wash out the botanicals and really enhances it as well. So. I think that's something that a lot of people miss out on and something I always try to recommend to people when they're buying gin for me. I said, are you going to make a gin and tonic with this? And if they say yes, I go, okay, well, you tell me about what kind of tonic you have, what you're going to use and what you're going to put with it. And I'll tell you if that's okay or not. That's awesome advice because I actually tell people to go to the distiller's website and look for the recipes on how to mix the gin because Change yeah. the gin, change the flavor, change the tonic, change the flavor. It can, I've actually mixed something incorrect. Like, you know, you mix with what you have and it was so nasty. I actually had to throw the drink out. And that's pretty rare for me <laughs> to throw it out because it was yeah. the wrong tonic with the gin. No, especially with like the gin fix, especially because it's so delicate. I usually tell people just to keep it away from it 
as much as you can. But if you are going to do gin and tonic, cut it with soda. So just splash a tonic for the bitterness and for the flavor and then soda. And that's usually the way to go with the lighter, with the new world style gins, you know, the London dries, you can put that heavy Canada dry or the Schweppes or whatever into that if you want. Cause that's it's a bomb to be, you know, although, right. you know, I do maintain to some degree, I think that a lot of reasons that some people like gin and tonics is because they don't like gin. So that's, uh, ah! that's a, I, not, not everybody, but I think there's a certain amount of people that they, you know, okay, well they, maybe they just should find something other than gin to drink if they're going to wash it out with a ton of heavy tonic. True. True. Yeah. If you're going light and delicate, that's one thing, but if, you know, an ounce of gin to five ounces of, of, of Canada dry or just drink vodka, you know? <laughs> yeah. And there you have it. Everything you ever wanted to know about mad laboratory distilling, all their super yummy products, some really fun stories and so much more. Thank you so much, Scott, for being here today. Absolutely. My pleasure. And thank you for listening. Be sure to leave us a review and check out the show notes for links to the mad laboratory distilling and the gin for all your gin clothing and novelty needs. Until next time, remember, love is like a bottle of gin, but a bottle of gin is not like love. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ginspired, brought to you by theginshop.ca. If we've ginspired you, let us know by leaving us a comment and a review, or drop us a note at heather at theginshop.ca. We may even read your email or feature your ginspirational story in an upcoming episode. And remember to follow us on social media. Until next time, let the party be gin.